the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Fantastic Friday. You know, I love the Fantastic Friday. And I have to tell you, there's a lot to be aggravated about. And I'm aggravated, rightfully so. But I just heard this clip. I have to tell you guys something. This is this is precious to me. So we need to start a Fantastic Friday. We might as well have a good time because I'm laughing inside. I couldn't go on anyway without having you uh, in on why I am hysterical right now. This is um, This is a man dressed like his mom. He wants to be called Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Rachel's got some tips about how how we can help our kids through all kinds of mental problems. Throughout my career, I have focused on the intersection between medical, mental, and behavioral health. And as your ash, I will continue that focus and support policy. Wait, did he say, wait, did he say is my ash? All right, let's, let's, first of all, the voice is, is, is priceless. And all I keep thinking about is do you remember when Sigmund Freud was all the rage? Sigmund Freud, the, the, at the time, the neo-Marxists, before they really evolved into the Marxists, they loved Sigmund Freud. And his answer for this kind of devious was very simple. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a mental problem, and he is sick and needs to be treated. Well, the, the new Marxists put him in charge of things. So I just want you to hear this just one more time. It's good. It's good. Throughout my career, I have focused on the intersection between medical mental and behavioral health and as your ash i will continue that focus Mm -hmm. and support policy initiatives to improve americans physical and (laughs) mental well-being now that's that's rachel levine and he is um the uh, assistant director to the hhs and uh he's dressed like a woman and he is every bit of 280 so he's going to help you with your physical and mental issues. And this is the guy that is the assistant in the DHS. So this right here should negate anything this administration does, and they should be ripped out and put into those Keystone cop cars immediately. And this is an opportunity for you to teach your kids about how to have absolute contempt for these children pretending to be psychologists and psychiatrists that are more interested in selling them drugs rather than having you understand this is a 285-pound man in his mom's clothes talking about mental and physical acuity in the nation, in the Joe Biden America. It is kind of fitting, but I did want to get that out of the way. And now as we go from one joke to the next, Zuckerberg has decided to ban and deplatform 
and defame the former president of the United States of America. The, the, the last one that we know of without a diaper. All right, Leslie Picker's back with us. She has breaking news regarding Facebook. Les? Hey, Scott, that's right. Facebook announcing that it has decided to uh, continue the suspension of President Trump's accounts on both Facebook and Instagram for two years, effective to the date of the initial suspension, which was January 7th of this year. Now, just some background here for those of you who may not remember that last month, the oversight board uh, that reviews these types of issues. Yeah, this is where they pretend it's a real company and not a bunch of sexually frustrated dweebs in an office cubicle pretending and playing to be God. This is what it really is. This is not like a legitimate company in the old fashioned sense of a Xerox or a corporation. These are children who are good at coding because no one wanted to play with them when they went outside. So they now have this this conglomerate that we all use and shame on us for that. So my answer to this is really quite simple. I had decided not to partake in this in this company or anything that it had to do with. So that was the way I answered it. I haven't been on it in months and months. So if you've been trying to contact me, I apologize. But my personal decision is because of this company's actions. I will no longer have anything to do with it. And I think if the 74 million people who were robbed felt the same way, maybe they would change their idea. That's the way it should be handled because it is a private company and it does have the right to do that. Now, why is it doing it? This is this is where we tie things all in. It's doing it because it doesn't want to be taxed, it doesn't want to be regulated, and it doesn't want to have any consequences from the government. So it has picked its side. And in their defense, they pick the right side. The forceful fascists are the people calling themselves Democrats. These are the ones that have guaranteed to wield and misappropriate the power of government against their enemy. So Zuckerberg, being the savvy, shrewd son of a dog he is, picked right because now his data that should be taxed, you know, the one that he steals from all of us, that will not be taxed. His companies will be given little special graces and little special benefits because, after all, he has picked the winning side. And that is who is in control of the strongman government. So I understand why he did it. Now, the other reason he did it is to deplatform a rebuttal from the other side, because what is happening now is what happens every time a fascist is in power, every time a propagandist is in front of you. They have to rewrite history to steal the future. That's the platform. They have to rewrite it. And they are going to rewrite every aspect of our history, whether it's the 1619 Project, whether it's telling you about your own history, your own family lineage, and all the rest of it. But the most important thing is they never take their eye off the ball, and that ball is how they can steal and misappropriate trillions upon trillions, making themselves very, very rich in the meantime, and also justifying the greatest mistake in world history, the American government's response to the Fauci flu. He paid for it. He gets his name on it. The Fauci flu, the response by this American government was the most anti-American thing this country's ever done, and it's done some real anti-American things. But this in particular, where he shut down everything, and now as they manage to try and limp it back in, and you don't even have the statistics of it running at about 40% of what it did, this idiot, this fraud in diapers is celebrating and has the audacity to rewrite history. So he used his little company to deplatform all of the rebuttal to these lies. Couple this with uh, Pippi Lystocking Pisaki, and you've got the way in which this country will be stolen forever in the hands of the Marxist mafia.
Good morning. Today we received great news. I can't decide. He sounds more like a woman than, oh, Rachel. For our economy and our recovery and for the American people. This morning we learned that in May, our economy created 559,000 new jobs. Unemployment rate. Now that is over 100,000 less than they anticipated. Okay, the unemployment rate has been so bastardized and so cooked with municipal hires and government contracts and government lending that it's irrelevant. And what he's going to regurgitate to you is what the swindlers have been regurgitating to you since Bill Clinton wanted you to believe he went to sleep with Hillary. He's going to tell you the U3. That's what Bill Clinton did to the unemployment numbers when the real number is the U6. The U6 number is at 10.2%. Even with their cooked number, it went from 10.4 to 10.2. So this idiot is celebrating. But then again, he celebrates when he gets to remember what day it is. Ooh, it's Friday, Joe. Fell to 5.8% and wages went up for American workers. That means we have now created over 2 million jobs in total since I took office. More jobs than ever. He created a bill out of thin air. He mandated $2.2 trillion. He's also been forcing another $2.2 trillion on top of a $2 trillion that Trump did. And this is the, this is the celebration. This is the celebration. Break down the numbers per job, even the phony ones he wants you to believe. And to call it, to call it disappointing is an insult to disappointment. This is pathetic. This is a disgrace. And what he doesn't want you to know is the reality is this country is operating at about 40% of what it was before the fascist mafia shut down the country. Oh, that was the one gripe I really have with Trump. He should have stood up to, at that time, the Congress. He should have stood up to the Senate and any other leverage he was getting. Because the ramifications, we are not going to know for decades. We've been created in the first four months of any presidency in modern history. What an idiot. Triple the rate of my predecessor, eight times the rate of President Reagan. That's where I draw the line. The difference is stupid, stupid man who never ran anything is that they never took over when the country was completely put under house arrest and everything was shut down. Stupid. But this is only for the people who were dumb enough to vote for him. Only those butter handed pansies that were dumb enough to vote for the authoritarian that he is because they themselves like this kind of governance. They eat up these lies. They put mustard on it and they woof it down like it was one of those free hamburgers they all want. This is a disgrace. And this should be rejected without using the platform Facebook. Every Republican should go before every camera they can go before and explain exactly how cooked and how wrong this liar, this dementia-ridden, flaccid fascist is. The unemployment rate is now below 6% for the first time since the pandemic hit. Liar. The first 14 months, first time, first time in 14 months, we saw the largest decline in the number of long-term unemployed more than, more than an entire decade in the last 10 years. Long-term unemployment. So now you want to know why they don't want to investigate the Fauci flu and the fact that we were paying for it? Do you want to know why? Because they are rallying in the success after the greatest atrocity perpetrated on the American citizen since the founding of the nation. Now they get to do this. See, this idiot has told this lie to himself. He believes it. 
the other idiots that voted for him could care less. They're just waiting for more money for nothing and chicks for free. Drop by the second largest amount ever recorded. Not only that, but the signs of further progress are already here. This report is based on a man, weekly, huh? uh, uh, in, uh, a week in early May. That's how we did they determine up, the, uh, the job rate, growth or loss. We have growth, and that was in this that week in May. We only had 35 percent of working age adults had been fully vaccinated. Now we're still all they were still all wearing masks. Since then, 21 million more adults have gotten vaccinated making it easy for them to return to work safely. In short, this is progress, historic progress. Progress that's pulling our economy out of the worst crisis it's been in 100 years. Historic progress. There he is in all of his glory, in all of his manhood. This feeble, rice-eating moron. So I want to know, do you feel like this is this is economic? This is history. We're making history. This is economic progress greater than Reagan, greater than Trump's economy, greater than it all. The Joe Biden economy is better than all. Do you believe it? 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls and your comments when I get back. What Biden accomplished in the shortest amount of time since he was sworn in is inflation rates on key commodities and on key essentials for the American people that have not been seen. Not even Jimmy Carter did this. Now, they don't want to talk about that. They'd rather lie. But after all, that's what a Democrat is. A liar. A fraud. Republicans are as well, just not at, they're not as good at it. Because the Democrats understand the way in which you must construct the true devious lie. The true devious lie must be constructed to draw the attention away from the actual realities we all face. Because if you were to realize how pathetic it is, pathetic that number is with the kind of money that has been created out of thin air, if you were to understand the misappropriation of these funds and the carelessness and corruption in the American government, you might start to think that maybe the biggest currency manipulating liar on the planet is not China, is not Russia, is not Iran. It's the USA. Because that's the reality of what we've done to not only the citizens in this country, but all of those citizens that we extort in all the countries around the world that we demand at the threat of military force to use our dollar in which these idiots like Joe Biden, like Janet Yellen, Mrs. Doubtfire, who, by the way, is twice the, the, the woman that Rachel Levine is. What, what we've done is really destroy the idea of economic, a solid footing and an honest, true currency. We've destroyed that, which is also why the Bitcoin rally in Miami has never been busier and that the American government must use all of its corruption and power to make sure that the American citizens do not have a viable outlet rather than acting and involving ourselves into a currency that is frauded and lied about and that the numbers cannot be trusted. These economic numbers have about as much validity as CNN and Dr. Fauci pretending he didn't know what the hell's going on and he's just a nice old man. It's ridiculous and it's a disgrace. The good thing is Democrats don't know that. They don't care. They wait to be lied to. They like to be lied to. 
That's the only way they could tell their kids to listen to a man dressed like his mother at 290 pounds tell you about physical fitness and mental health. A joke. Steven, Romeoville. John, 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 you're so correct on what you said today, and Biden is so wrong on what he said today. Now, when why all is this it the, started, why doesn't everyone think this, though? Here's my question to you, Stephen. Right now, we're in a city that is, that is collapsing, right? I mean, it is a disgrace. It is people are getting shot. Teenagers are, it's insane. And yet, when election time comes, you still have one person. Really, to vote for a Democrat to me, you are either an absolute scumbag, in on it, scam artist, or an absolute moron that should walk around with a dunce cap sewn to your head. Go ahead. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But you got to realize the people they take advantage of aren't very bright to begin with. Well, okay. But yeah, we're the idiots, though. We're the idiots. You ask them. We're the dummies. They look at us in their meaningless lives. Their welfare check waiting hands. They look at us like we are, we're not evolved or we're stupid. And they, they tout these lies and these old men and these shysters as some sort of an option. It's disgusting to me. And what it proves is the trajectory you can't pull up from. Correct. The people that they, that they want to be their voting base, they can corrupt easily. They, they, they take advantage of the low IQ person, bottom line. That's what they do. Always have been, always have been doing it for years. The low IQ person votes for Biden, the Democratic administration, and it's been that way for years. The, Stephen? People, they have, the people that have degrees, the people that, I'm not saying that Democrats don't have degrees, but the majority of the people that are voting in big major cities, because let's be honest, if it wasn't for major cities, Nobody would vote for these people. None. You know, Stephen, that's exactly right. Look look at the United States, and you look at if if the Electoral College was based per county instead of per state. Oh, yeah. There's no reason. There's no reason. There's no no way. They would never, ever win. None. No way. Fixes in. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it. i got to take other calls. You're exactly right. I would appreciate it. Love to see that's the kind of guy you want to talk to in a cigar store for a couple hours. Mike Schomburg. Hi, Sean. Yeah, perception is reality, and our reality is controlled by this media and the left, which has been identified as the most powerful in the world, is the propaganda machine in the world, is the American media and the American left, which is inseparable. And now they, they have usurped. Lives. They have usurped social media. So what we need to do, you do understand, these kids, like our our kids, I don't know how old you are, but our kids and the teenagers, they don't use this Facebook anyway. You know who's keeping this Facebook alive? The fifty-year-old people who are trying to look up yeah. if their girlfriend got fat or not, or turned into Rachel Levine. That's what they're trying to do. So the reality is, when we have, sit back and say, "Look, we're not going to take this anymore," and I, I swear, I swear to you, I'm never going to log on again. And I think that that 74 million people should do that tonight. I agree. You know, that's it right there. Well, there's me and you. We got me and Mike. Let's see who else we can get on our team. Thanks for the call, Mike. Brian. John, love the show. Congratulations on getting it. Thank you, brother. Uh, It was funny, the clip that you were playing with Biden. It sounded like he was learning what he was reading off the teleprompter for the first time. What do you think? Oh, well, well, first of all, I, I think it's sad. To a certain extent. I mean, I, I try not to be mean. 
Thank you for the call. I try not to be mean, but it's pathetic and it's sad and he's weak and he's worthless. He shouldn't be in this position. Everyone knows he shouldn't be in this position. It's an embarrassment to this country. And now they're going to parade him around foreign leaders. I'm telling you, we'll be lucky we're not invaded. I'm going to play a clip when I get back that'll prove they're not buying this, the foreign nations around the world after this. So that's Friday. I love Fridays. I love Fridays. I, 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 I just got to do it one more time. I can't get enough of it. Throughout my career, I have focused on the intersection between medical, mental, and behavioral health. <laughs> Come on, it's good stuff. All right. Let's get serious now, damn it. world is collapsing. It's good serious. David in Lansing. Hey, Sean. How you doing? While I was on hold, um, I have a minor in physics, and I, I was able to uh, figure out the Biden economic diminishment formula. It goes like this. Dumb plus dementia equals you know, disaster. I could tell by your sense of humor you had a minor in physics, but go ahead. What was the original call? Okay. Uh, you know, I have the, the problem is, is that Democrats at the top, they're dumb. I don't think it's so much corrupt. I think they're so dumb that they act corrupt. They think now, I, I, is, first of all, it, it's astonishing to me that the people that, that voted for, for Joe Biden will tolerate this. This, of all things, here you are living in the reality of your costs inflating at a record and a pace you had no idea. This country hasn't been through since the 70s if you want to be kind. But the reality is they just, to me, feel that they're more happy to see other people lose than themselves gain. That's what a Democrat is to me. They're more happy to see someone else lose than themselves gain. And that's the worst kind of person you could ever be around. Because there's there's nothing there's nothing that, that that can affect people in a negative way that makes them uncomfortable because that's their version of winning. So when the gas goes up, they say, "Good, damn those Trump people! They were paying too low for gas. They don't even care that they were as well." When this kind of when this kind of uh, uh, government takeover of of corporations and when Facebook says we're going to deplatform a former president they say good good that's great and that's a reflection yeah. of their character so you cannot reason with these people anymore this is beyond reasoning so to 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 have some sort of complexity where you do understand you're being lied to about jobs numbers and that the businesses that you used to go to are running at, at on a limp at 40% at best if they're even open and it's it's irrelevant because they got what they wanted. This isn't about the country doing better or even them doing better. This is about the people they hate doing worse. And that's what the Democrat is. That's all they are. They're horrible, horrible people. And that's why I wish you, David, and the rest of us a Democrat-free weekend. I know I'm going to have one. But I wanted to just pivot just a little bit to kind of give you that perspective of why other countries who reject our corrupt politics should not have to take our currency. I know this is unusual for a so-called conservative radio station to talk about the other country's rights, but I want you to think about for just one minute how outrageous it is for our government, our Federal Reserve, to continue to have these fraudulent policies to create money out of a click of a mouse, the whole time saying Bitcoin is bad and fake and they don't know how it gets its value, but anyway clicking it out of the out of a mouse then forcing other countries to have that dollar and transact those commodities in which we're inflating the costs of to transact them in our corrupt dollar it is wrong 
wrong. And the only way it can be enforced is through the military. Now, this has been a secret that has been the worst kept secret for people with an IQ over 60 that can look at every country we've ever gone to war with after the Brenton Woods Agreement in, in World War II, after World War II, and realize it has nothing to do with the propaganda you're being fed. What it has to do with is these countries are rejecting our fiscal policies. So I'm telling you this because our next war will probably be with Russia before it's with China. And it will be because Russia and Vladimir Putin, quite frankly, are much smarter than Americans. But moreover, they don't want to deal in our dollar anymore. And it's causing a problem. Russia out with an abrupt statement. It moves ruble with dollar ruble, ruble stronger. Marvin, I don't know if you've seen it, but Russia plans to cut dollar holdings in wealth fund to zero. What is the symbolism of Russia says we don't want dollars? The symbolism is they don't want dollars. Now, what they're going to do is they'll bring on a propagandist and the propagandist will tell you this happens from time to time. And we always seem to work it out. They always seem to want the dollar when the reality is the reason that it's worked out is because they're threatened. If they don't use the dollar, they will be invaded. Just like Saddam Hussein, just like the wacky Gaddafi, just like all of them, they don't want to use the dollar. And that's why their countries are invaded, not because of weapons of mass destruction. No. They had nothing to do with that. It's about the dollar, and it's about our misappropriation of it, and how we are the greatest currency manipulator on the planet. Not Beijing, although they're very good at it as well. Sorry, that's just the way it is. It's okay to hate other countries. It's okay to want to have your America do first. God knows I do. But we better, we better have it run by people of integrity. People of understanding of economics and people who live up to the word our forefathers gave to the world. We have broken our word. The last four presidents specifically, but this moron, this 80-year-old moron, he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. He's a, he's a welcome mat. It's a disgrace. Steve on the south side. Hey, Sean, you know, the media just covers and protects for the ruling class. Several years ago, those of you who remember, Dr. Kevorkian, man, oh, throw the book at him, lock him up. Dr. Fauci, oh, he creates, he commits involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, I said it. Dr. Fauci killed, Dr. Fauci killed tens of, of, of times the people Kevorkian. Yeah. Hundreds of, hundred times the people Kevorkian killed. I don't, I don't think it's a bad analogy. People would cringe when you'd say that, but when you really think about it and you go back to, to Fauci's failures with AIDS, when you go back to the idea that Fauci, Fauci, it looks as if Fauci okayed, it doesn't look that way. He did. He okayed investing in this virus. It's the Fauci flu. They got the emails. He did. And uh, yep. just don't, you know, CNN will continue to lie. The good news is less people are watching. Steve, you know, I appreciate when you call on the South Side. Thank you very much. We've got two South Siders. Ed on the South Side. Hi, Ed. He's on the radio, huh? Ed, we're going to get back to you. Thank you, buddy. Sorry. John in Palatine. Hey, uh, Sean. Uh, good to talk to you. As if I had uh, nothing else better to do. Uh, did you hear that uh, Jamie sure Johnson and J.P. Morgan... Yes. Just said that uh, they're going to uh, not donate to Republicans who who support that the uh, election might be frauded. It's like, where, where do I put my money now? Well, here's the here here's the ultimate insult. Many of those Republicans, what they're talking about is sitting Republicans, right? Who say that the the um, the election in 2020 was was frauded, which 
it was frauded. I don't care how many J.P. Morgans, but those Republicans voted to give J.P. Morgan money. They voted to give J.P. Morgan money, and they gave them more money than they should have ever given them in 08. They continue to underwrite them, and they continue. The, those Republicans, and this is why I say integrity in all fiscal policies, are the ones that continue to this day to underwrite the stock market with the people's money so that J.P. Morgan and the rest of the investment banker mafia never loses a dollar. And this is, the, this is what they get. So it's a disgrace, John. It's a disgrace. And you know what? The Senate, there should be an inquiry now. Because now I want to know everything that J.P. Morgan owns and everything that the people of this country, Republican taxpayers, are bolstering up the quantitative easing, the money a month in the corporate bonds, all of it. I want to know how much they've profited from it. It's despicable and disgraceful. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. You know, I love I love the show. I can't get over how fast the show goes. And one thing I love about it is the uh, the listeners to it. In fact, I was walking on the beach today and I met a listener. You believe that? I know it's crazy. And we have one now that brought up an excellent, excellent point. Steve Marengo. Hi, Stevie. Hi. Hey, I just wanted to bring up how many felonies has J.P. Morgan basically admitted to for manipulating markets? None of their executives go to jail. They just pay a big fine, which is a cost of doing business. And well, they keep in right September of 2020, Jamie, Jamie Dimon admitted to two new felony counts. Brings the total to five. J.P. Morgan Chase agrees to pay $920 million in connection with those, those uh, felonies. Uh, they were part of the big banks that paid $5.6 billion over currency and rate-fixing manipulation. J.P. Securities admits to manipulating trading in U.S. Treasuries. J.P. Morgan had Jeffrey Epstein as a client, charged with a felony, can be, still be hired by J.P. Morgan. Uh, they're, 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 they're insider trading, Inc. That's what they do. They've paid billions upon billions of dollars. They are scam artists, as the vast majority of the big banks are. Goldman Sachs is the champion of all champions, but uh, J.P. Morgan isn't far behind. And in the meantime, people who have never probably bought a stock in their life have underwritten them by their tax dollars. And they have the audacity to come out and pick a party. Now the, now the party's over. That's how it should be. Now the game is over. The party's over. You know, it, it's a fantastic point. And uh, I don't think too many people know about it or too many people remember it. And you know whose fault that is? The media. Thank you for the call, and I'm glad you remember it. It's very important to remember these kind of things. All right, let's go to John in Naperville. Hi, John. Hi, Sean. I'm a big fan from your Capitalist Union days, if you remember that, about 10 that's years a long, ago. Yeah, that's a long time yeah, ago, brother. Is. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, you know, I'm going to talk about what you said earlier with the, with the dollar. You know, uh, Milton Friedman once said you can pay for spending with one of three ways, taxes, debt, or inflation. It is clear the U.S. has chosen the road of inflation. It's just a question of when. And I think that when goes to what you said earlier about when people stop accepting the dollar. The Russians and the Chinese have been very smart about building up gold reserves. And if you look at the Russian budget, it is very, it's very tight. They have actually one of the lowest debt-to-GDP rule, um, levels in the world. And in fact, in a way, ironically, the, the communist states of Eastern Europe, which actually are very culturally conservative, having been to Russia and whatnot, 
very culturally conservative, turning back more so towards Christianity. Uh, they, in a way, were shielded from all the debt that we accumulated since World War II uh, because they weren't really debt worthy. And so, in a sense, they got to start over with a blank slate, which is what I think our politicians want to do. But they've learned from our lessons, not only in terms of the spending, but also mass immigration, things of that nature. So they've, they've put a lot of these lessons to, to good use, and they bought a lot of gold. The gold is um, – they bought a lot in the Treasury for the Russians and the Chinese. Plus, they've arranged for cross-border trade without using the dollar. Basically, the exchange is done in gold. They've and been the doing, they've been doing this for seven years without yeah. many people talking about it. So you're exactly right. The Russian market. And it's undervalued. I mean, you look at the Russian market, it's dramatically undervalued because of political reasons, primarily. Their balance sheets are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Chinese, well, that's a little different. But if you look at it, we can't bully the Russians and the Chinese. Their top-line weaponry is better than ours. I'll say that flat out. Look at some of the missiles, the Kinzhal, the hypersonic missiles, the Kinzhal, the caliber. There's yeah, nothing got- we can do about that. I think we know that. We're, we're, we're like uh, Jen Psaki. We're walking around thinking we're the hottest thing in the world when the reality is we're just void of competition for our little area. That's the exact position we're in. And the other thing, John, to always remember when people ask me, well, how come the market isn't going down the way everybody predicted it is? People don't understand. This is a, this is a concept that I think the average person doesn't get. A stock is nothing but a currency of that country. The idea that the stock is rallying versus the mere reflection of your dollar falling is something that people can't get because they think the dollar is the baseline when it's not. So you can have a a stock market that's strong and still have a weak dollar because your dollar cannot acquire that currency, which is that stock. So people are kind of lulled into this thing. Well, things aren't bad. The stock market's up. I think that's a terrible position. I heard the Republicans recite that for decades and i think it's terrible and if we were as strong as we should be the stocks that we're trying to buy those you, you using those dollars would be a lot more reasonable they would be a lot cheaper than they are right now so this is something that i don't think people understand and i think they're comfortable thinking look we can just click a mouse and create numbers on a on a screen and it will not result in 300 percent increase in lumber it will not result in gas and oil skyrocketing so i think it's it's an ignorance that by the time you figure it out it's too late and you're thinking a1 sauce or worcestershire for your little dog you used to love all the time. Ask the Venezuelans how it creeps up. We're implementing the exact same policies as every country that has bankrupted itself and fallen into chaos. I'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. So it's been a while now that I've been um, working with Misty Callahan. And we have our little disagreements, but I love her and she knows it. And it's getting to be where uh, I tell her we have this thing like dogs, like I'll want a clip and she'll already have it. So she gets this um, interview for this author. And I say to myself, I asked her, did I interview him before? She's like, no, I haven't. But when I'm looking at the books that this author has written, he's written 13 books. 
He is a phenomenal author. I am truly honored to talk to him. H.W. Crocker III, how are you? Doing great, thank you. Listen, I, I really enjoy your work, and your new one is uh, Armstrong Rides Again, and you buried the lead, didn't you? Because people, how many people are going to know that you're talking about Custer? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's part of the conceit of the book. The idea is that Custer has survived the Battle of Little Bighorn, and he adopts this nom de guerre of Armstrong Armstrong and goes around the West uh, sort of a knight errant, uh, a gunslinger for hire who gets involved in all these different uh, comical but um, also sort of politically incorrect adventures. Wonderful. Well, I'm, I, I am really looking forward to this. So I'm assuming you sent a uh, signed one to the studio, correct? Oh, absolutely. All right, wonderful. I just want to make sure of that. But um, you've been working, you actually went from a political speechwriter now, were you an author first, or is did you find? Uh, I started yourself? off as a uh, newspaper man oh, way really? back when, and then I got involved in book publishing and became a political speechwriter for the Republican governor of California back when we could still have Republicans out there, and uh, and then fell back into book publishing. And in my day job, I'm an editor of conservative books at Regnery Publishing with authors like Josh Hawley and so forth. And in my part time. I write military history and novels. Uh, the novels are all based on mostly military matters, and they're, they're funny. Well, um, I remember you. How long ago did you write the Politically Incorrect Guide to the Civil War? Oh, dear. <laughs> Not that long. I mean, time flies these days, maybe 10 years ago or so. I kind of remember this book, and um, I was very impressed with it. And you do have that slant. Um, in, your, in your writing about Custer... What, what, what kind of research did you have to do to figure out how to tie him into somebody that would survive and then would become, in fact, a gunslinger? Was it just his personality, that arrogance he had? What was it? Yeah, no, no. yeah I, I did a lot of research on Custer, not only for these books, but for the books I'd written on the Civil War. So I thought I knew him pretty well. And in the books, the books are an exaggerated portrait of him. So it's sort of kind of like a caricature. So it took things that we know about Custer and just drew them out a little bit farther to make them sort of comical. Um, I actually find, I confess, I find Custer a, a fun guy. I mean, I actually, I like Custer. Custer is sort of the prototypical dashing cavalryman. He was the boy general of the Civil War. He got promoted really rapidly, not because he was, I mean, he famously graduated bottom of his class at West Point. But he was very brave. He was uh, very dutiful. He was, he was extremely friendly with the Southern cadets at West Point, but he stayed loyal to the Union because he said, I swore an oath, and he was an extremely loyal man. In fact, dying with him at Little Bighorn was not only himself, but his brother, his brother-in-law, his nephew. It's actually a very tragic thing. Like yeah. the, much of the Custer family was wiped out. Um, but he was you know, extremely loyal to his wife, de dedicated to her. He gets a bum rap, I think, when he was like, oh, he's a genocidal Indian killer. Uh, well, no, not really. Um, he actually well, liked Indians. <laughs> he loved yeah, the Scouts. And people, and people have forget rewritten. that the Indians were fighting amongst themselves. So okay. if you were a Crow Indian, you were all for Custer fighting the Sioux. Um, and he, he, you know, he, was, he was very good with animals. <laughs> he had sort of St. Francis of Assisi like rapport with animals. And the book plays that out for a comical effect as well. 
And this has been a hard thing I've had to live with because I, I loved history while growing up. And people make it seem as if the evil uh, European came here and slaughtered the Indians, when the fact of the matter is that's not nearly what happened. And, and I think people, do you think that they're willing to accept the real history of America, or are they just all built up on these lies and this new idea that they can somehow bring justice to past historical tragedies or events through the actions of implementing tyranny? Yeah, no, well, this is actually an important part of the book. I mean, the book is meant to be entertainment. So it's, you know, page turner action, comedy, but it has several important running themes. And one of them is the is history and and the and why we need to value our heroes why those statues of them were put up for a reason another reason was not white supremacy another reason was not racism uh, and guys like Custer I mean I, I, I find it sort of ironic in a way because I've written a lot about Southern generals as well so you go out and you, and you say well you know Robbie Lee was actually a pretty good guy and these days of course that gets a lot of blowback even though that was common currency when I was growing up, but I didn't grow up in the South. You know, Eisenhower had Roddy Lee's picture, portrait, in, his, in, the, in the White House. <laughs> well, Robert, I mean, he was regarded was... as an American hero. So here you think, okay, well, at least Custer, he fought for the Union. But no, I mean, the problem is once you start pulling this, this string and saying that, you know, these people all have feet of clay, well, then they all come down. We've seen this. It's not just the Confederate generals. I think that's a tragedy in its own right. But then it's the founders, because, you know, a lot of them are slaves, and they, they didn't have these liberal ideas, as we can term liberalism now, or Custer, or Lincoln. Lincoln gets actually uh, knocked down for the very same reason that Custer does, because Lincoln, with the Homestead Act, wanted to you know, clear out what lands in the West for, for settlers. And you just you just cannot have it. People say, and it is true, you can't have a country without borders. You can't have a country without heroes, without history, without a national storyline that that we all take pride in. And it is it is the most one of the most shocking things I have seen in my six years here. Like, and the reality is, you is... see this complete inversion. Right. I mean, we, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s, sure, you had liberals, you had, you know, whatever, lefties protesting, but you did have the silent majority. And you, you had the idea of, of, of Confederate heroes being good guys was common currency. I mean, you watch any Western when we were growing up, and it's always the guy from the South after the war, he's lost everything, but he's, you know, a noble man at heart, and blah, 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 blah. Nowadays, this this cartoon, this this heinous Marxist cartoon of racism, 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 which is a pure lie, is just you know obliterating all before it, and it's going to have obviously it's just like we're living in 1984, we're living in Orwell, we're living in the Soviet mm-hmm. sort of Marxist thing where it's a memory hole. You, you disgrace history, and if, you, if our history is disgraced, then we have no protection against, you know, we need to enact this reform and this reform and take this government action because there's so much wrong in this country that has to be fixed, so they say. And it's this, just, is, their a license platform, this for, is their platform, though. This is their platform. 
Yeah. They rewrite history to steal the future. That's the yes, system absolutely. that works. So they, they can justify the hatred towards their fellow man so they can, they can cheer when government misuses and abuses its power against them. And that's what we're seeing. And the reality is I felt this way a long time, in particular about Robert E. Lee. People, I mean, I remember I was a kid when I read, was, was it his father or his grandfather that was the Revolutionary War hero? It was his father, yeah. It was his father. I mean, I mean a real hero. In fact, without him... We may have lost. He was that important to that war. Wasn't he Washington's dear friend? Yeah, he was Light Horse Harry Lee. He was a cavalry officer. And yes, I mean, this is, this is part of the whole thing. I mean, people forget that the Great Seal of the Confederacy has guests who? George Washington on it. The most quoted um, political figure, quoted in Southern debates about constitutionality and limit of state government, is Thomas Jefferson. And a lot of these guys, like Lee, were directly related to the men who had founded this country. The idea that they were these, you know, heinous racist traitors can be disproven by you know, just open up some history books. I mean, some older history books, I mean, like current ones, and 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 read read what these people said. I mean, Lee was condemning slavery before the war. Exactly. That's the part that uh, never gets talked about, and it infuriates me. Right. And and, but, and yeah, but it's, it's it's just I and I, I don't I also I mean I can still remember vaguely the time when when to be a liberal was allegedly to be a bit more sophisticated and you know to take a sort of nuanced view of things and you know back when I was growing up a liberal would not have embraced the sort of incredible uh, lies, just plain old lies of history that, they, that we embrace now. It was liberals who used to have, remember, Jefferson Jackson days, Thomas Jefferson and Jackson days, and now they can't stand either one of them. Um, and that's not progress. That is, no. that is an incredible regression. And it's, uh, it's dangerous. It is yeah. absolutely dangerous. And you see people riding the streets, tearing down these statues. This is not a one-and-done deal. This is, this is the destruction of a country. And I feel the same way. And you as a historian, has there ever been a time in the American history when even, even back when you were a kid that you're reflecting on, the, the liberals of that time used to say, I disagree with you vehemently, but I'll die for your right to say that. Has right. there ever <laughs> been a time since the Revolutionary War when you have seen an, even an, a state that has taken the position of, if you say something, you will be defamed and deplatformed. Has that ever happened in on this soil? No, no, and not, well, not like this. I mean, there have been different you know, censorship things and that sort of thing, but, but nothing like this. We we really are living in quote unquote historic times, and, and I mean historic in the sense that you know, dramatic things are happening, and it's too easy just to sort of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, this too will pass, or it really doesn't matter. No, it's going to matter. I fear a great deal, and um, you know, I, I I read a piece I don't know two or three years ago called uh, it was for the American Spectator. It was titled uh, "America's Next Civil War Will Be Worse Than Its Last." And part of the problem what I was getting at was actually I just got an anecdote from Custer during the war during the Civil War. Custer actually attended the wedding of a Confederate officer <laughs> yeah. in Virginia. He was an old friend of his. And then he hung around for a few days and, you know, chatted up the, uh, the Southern Bells down there. Yeah. And then a week later he shot they were, you know, they, they were fighting. I mean, obviously, the place war in American history. Um, and it still astonishes me. You know, it still astonishes yeah. me. Americans killing Americans. Yeah, but, but, but they all—they still shared a lot. They both venerated the same sort of constitutional principles, more or less. They venerated the same God. 
I mean, they, they, weren't at this, they weren't at war with America. And that's the thing now is that now these, our, our opponents are really at war with America and our disagreements are over things so fundamental as what is a man and what is a woman? And if you take the absolutely correct answer in that, <laughs> to that question, yeah. you can get deplatformed, you can get banned, you can lose your job. I live here in Virginia. A PE teacher just lost his job for, for, for saying, no, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. So I mean, this is, it's just, this is incredible. This is, this is, we live in an incredible time. We live in an insane time. And I guess that's another reason why I wrote the book in a way is because if you're going to satirize something, you can't really satirize what we're living in now because it's, it's just, it's well, that's what I was going to ask you. This is your niche. You satirize yeah. history that would normally be, you know, frowned upon or, or thinking or thought of in, in one light and you put another spin on it. How in the hell are you going to do this when you're 80 years old to the time when America became the Soviet Union? <laughs> well, I will say that the, as funny as I mean this current book to be, um, it is, it's meant as a warning, too. And it is set in a fictional Latin American country to which Custer, another real character, Ambrose Bierce, go to fight as soldiers of fortune. And they get involved in a war that sort of parallels what we're seeing in America, but obviously a little bit exaggerated because actually it's a, it's a hot war. Um, and I, I hope readers of a political bent will take the proper warnings and lessons from what it has to tell you. But all based, it's all based in history. It's all based in historical experience. I am, I am looking, I really, I am looking so forward to reading this. I am going to read it this weekend. H.W. Crocker Third, Armstrong Rides Again, among many, many others. If I could, just a minute. Politically Incorrect Guide to the Civil War, Robert E. Lee on Leadership. The Politically Incorrect Guide um, to the British American Empire. I want to read that one, too. I, I'm so glad you joined me. Um, please come back again with your next book on how you're going to put a spin on the USSA. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. All right. I was informed by uh, Johnny Rocket that I was I sounded smitten. It wasn't that I sounded smitten. I, I had read this guy's work 10 years ago, and um, it was the politically incorrect guide to the Civil War. And I have always said, you know, we're believing what we're being told rather than going back and looking at the relative history of the time. Go back and look at the tariffs of abomination in 1828. And then tell me what led up to the Civil War. And, um, you know, this is controversial when you when you go outside the propaganda, the talking points that have been patented and stamped by the government. And that should be a warning signal to anybody that that's really not that long ago when they say it's seven or eight hundred thousand. They're counting the soldiers. They're not counting the fact that the American government gave instructions to murder women and children and burn down residents. I think it is an atrocity, the Civil War. I think it's beyond tragic. I think the idea that men could not come to an intellectual understanding and had gotten to a point over decades of, of arguing really about money. I understand that slavery is the tagline, and it was a component, and that all of a sudden a million Americans died, and then you just move on without... Putting in place 
systems so that that could never happen again. And when you hear a historian come on and say, we are living in the most bizarre times imaginable in a country that was founded on the American principles, you should pay attention. I think you should pay attention. And um, is he forecasting a civil war? Maybe. And he said that the next one will be worse than the last one. Well, it'll be different. And once again, you won't stand a chance. And uh, this is supposed to be a country that that stands for the rights of every citizen. And what we see clearly is that that's not the case. Clearly, that's not the case. And um, some of the states have been doing it for for really quite a long time. Quite a quite a quite a disaster the way they've been treating their citizens. And um, you do have the mobility to a certain extent to move out and to do those things. But it's very hard to do it. But one thing that's happening is that these states that are run by the Marxist mafia are losing people at an unbelievable rate. And they're not losing the people who are foolish enough to support their incompetence and their corruption. They're losing the people that fund it. And this is becoming a problem in good old Illinois. From job loss to population loss, people have been leaving Illinois for years, and it is costing the rest of us left behind. CBS Chief Political Investigator Dana Kozlov went one-on-one with the governor today to talk about the big exodus. Dana. Brad, Illinois numbers show it's actually been a bit of a population roller coaster in the state over the past decade. But when it really counted, those numbers went down, and that happened on Governor J.B. Pritzker's watch. There's no question the past year has hurt Illinois and many who live here. But Governor J.B. Pritzker says there's light ahead. We are sending ourselves into a new year on firm fiscal footing. But we're- See, now, now, this is all a lie. And we talk about a civil war of violence. But th- what, is, what is violence when it comes to a, a political assault on the citizen? When you are living in a residence that you do not control... When you are merely thought of as funders, whether you be willing or or unwilling, to the kind of fraud and corruption of the uh, Illinois Democrat mafia, and you are targeted, do you not have that obligation to avoid the violence of losing your assets by leaving? This This is the quandary. This isn't something like, I don't like a certain politician, so I'm leaving. We are beyond that. You know, it's it, 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 it's happening at a pace, I think, that people can't really wrap their head around. It's happening in a ferocious manner that even the propagandists can't deny. We're also starting the new decade with one less member of Congress, the result of the 2020 census, which showed Illinois lost more than 18,000 residents since. And that's a cook number. It should have been two. What she's going to go on to, and I have to go to break, what she's going to go on to is that the IRS data shows we've lost the taxpayers. $9 billion in taxpayers have moved out. And they've gone to a state and different states, various states, where they're going to be treated without the violence of being subjected to the Marxist mafia. That's how civil wars start. I'll be back after this. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. All right, so as you know, I don't uh, I don't like Hollywood people, but I still love movies. I can't help it. I love them. Um, and I saw a good one, and uh, it shocked me. I remember the first time I watched A Quiet Place. I thought it was... Uh, 
a great movie, and I had never watched The Office. So the guy who's the comedian, his name is, uh, what is it, John Kaminsky, I believe, or no, Krasinski, Krasinski, John Krasinski. My daughter would make fun of me. She's like, you'd love The Office. you got to watch The Office. I never watched it. But I saw this movie, and I thought it was fantastic, A Quiet Place. And I thought to myself, how is this guy going to make A Quiet Place 2? It kind of wrapped up in the end. Well, I went to go see the movie, and I am going to tell you something. It was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. That was my movies that I saw. And now for the documentary, I have to tell you, American Oz. It is the story of the guy that wrote The Wizard of Oz. And when you look at this guy's life and you look at his history, it is an, an inspiration. He failed at virtually everything. Everything he tried. Couldn't succeed at anything. But what he did succeed at is probably not only something that is really part of the American fabric in The Wizard of Oz, but it is, to my understanding, the most successful children's book ever, ever sold, written, ever had anything to do with when it comes to money. It's, it's a phenomenal book, and I highly recommend American Oz. And that is my movie and documentary. And now, if you want to give me yours, it's 312 5 or no, wait, 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 wait a minute. I, I just forgot the phone number. Um, 312 6, give me the 642-5600. <laughs> Sorry, I was writing. I was reading numbers. Don't be swearing at me. I looked up and no one was on the call list. I freaked out about the numbers. Sorry about that. 312-642-5600. If you care to give me your movie and your documentary, because it's... Uh, we have to figure out a way to get away from how bad everything is, in particular, if you're living in the state of Illinois. And I know that, I, listen, I go back and forth, and you know that, and I know most people uh, are stuck in a position where they want to go somewhere else and they can't go somewhere else, but the reality is something has to change in that state. Something has to change drastically, and it's not going to change from within side. It's not going to change from... Uh, People relying on, on Democrats to, to change their ways or the districting map. And when you see the fact of the matter is that, that um, the map of the zoning that has changed and you realize just what a joke it is of the people who are in control, you realize that um, you're going to have to spend a lot of time streaming Netflix and streaming Prime because it's just going to get worse and worse until we do it. All right, Lenny and Rockford, give me the movie pick for me, kid. Open range. Okay, one. Open range. And Wait a minute. Now, is this the one? Because I think I saw Open Range, but you're going to have to remind me. Is this the one? It's um, the one. Kevin Costner. Yep. And yeah, that's a real good one. Okay, I like that one. That is a very good one. Go ahead. And documentary. Um, well, sticking <laughs> with the Costner thing. Uh, we're going to go with Postman. Postman? <laughs> yeah, the Postman. Oh, the post. Oh, you're a sick son of a gun. Isn't it on Cinemax? That's when you were a kid. Yeah, you're a sicko. I like it, Lenny. I'll check it out. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but if I remember, it was quite steamy. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You can always go back. This is when they used to have on TV. I used to go by a friend of mine's house. His family had on TV. His name's Mike Terman. And we used to watch it through the line in the center of TV. And, if you know, if the postman wasn't on. David Riverside. Sean. My, my favorite movie, it's also my favorite book, is the uh, movie adaptation of 1984 starring Richard Burton and John Hurt. And uh, there's one great moment that's in the book and in the movie uh, that where John Hurt's being tortured, and he, and he says to uh, Richard Burton, uh, why are you doing this to me? 
are you a fascist? Are you a communist? He goes, no, it's just power. Don't you get it? It's power over you. David, I'm going to watch it because you want to know something? I don't think I saw the 1984 with Richard Burton. I saw, did, did you see there was a, one that they made about seven years ago, and it had a, a, an English actor in it, and it was very no, drab. No, it was, it was very drab. It was, it was hard to watch because it's a terrible story. But I, I love Richard Burton. Love him. Big fan. And uh, I am going to check that out this weekend. I don't have much to do, so that's perfect. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate the pull. How about a documentary? Did you see anyone you like? Oh, documentaries? Uh, I, well, I, I like the, the, uh, the one that, uh, um, that Larry Elder did uh, called, uh, what was it? Um, oh, Uncle Larry Tom. Elder. Yes. I just saw that, and Uncle Tom just was just, uh, it almost wanted to make you tear up. All right, I'm going to watch you. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, I watched half of it on a plane, and then the plane landed, and I didn't finish it. So I'm going to go and finish it. I appreciate it, David. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Mark in Lamont. Hey, I, how's it going, Sean? Wonderful. How are you, buddy? Hey, hey, Sean, about a month ago, you recommended one to me, uh, Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks. Yes, Meryl Streep. Fantastic movie. I'm telling yeah, you, I great. laugh every time. I laugh every time, and I always, I often wonder to myself, wouldn't it be something if that's exactly how it ends up? Can you imagine yeah, having to defend all the know. stupid things <laughs> yeah. you ever did? Man, oh man. Yeah, it was great. But um, movie documentary, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Best in Show. It's a comedy, but it starts out as like a documentary where they show all the entrance in the uh, dog show. So it's I absolutely love it. A lot love. of Second City people. Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, it's hilarious. And that guy who's in it, who is now bigger than big, him and his son do um, that, that movie or that show, Schitt's Creek. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is an incredible show. I laugh. I mean, my, my wife and I power watch that thing. But that guy yeah. in Best in Show, he is, he yeah. is hysterical. But it's a great movie. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. I so appreciate yeah. it. See, that we filled I up the lines. Care. I got two lines open, 312-642-5600. See, Misty, I remembered at that time. We'll be back with your calls after this. Yes, I know I had a Biden. It was just a slip. He's running the whole damn country without knowing what the hell is going on. But I will, I will uh, say, I was listening to the commercial, that Hollywood 360, I still love to listen to the old radio shows, um, I, is, especially when it's the old detective shows. I love it. Um, let's go to Scott, Crystal Lake. Hi, Scott. Hey, man. What's going on on this beautiful Friday? Not much. I'm looking forward to walking around in my flip-flops. How about you? Uh, cigar by the campfire and a scotch. Nice. All right. You got me. I'm just going to go walk on the All right. Thank you. Uh, Favorite movie, Interstellar. Now, is this the one with the guy who's running for governor, Matthew McConaughey? By the way, my wife loves this guy. Is this the one with him? Yeah, where he... uh, What the the, hell's going on in the movie? I watched it. Yeah. Is he behind the bookshelf? What the hell's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. And gravity is the only thing that passes through time space. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to okay. have to watch and that in the my, morning. My, Go on. Well, yeah, with a cup of coffee. And then my favorite um, favorite documentary is, what's the nuclear power plant that exploded in Ukraine? Chernobyl? 
Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Watch Chernobyl, the documentary on Chernobyl. That is that will freak you out, man. All it's right, really well done. Scott, you want to know something? You're the third person that told me that, and I never saw it. So that I'm going to watch. Interstellar, behind the bookshelf, Matthew McConaughey, running around with the curly hair. Not for me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Interstellar's awesome, says Rocket Man. All right, let's go to Tom in Cherville. Yeah, Sean, I got two for you. The Killing Fields yes. and Death Wish 2. Ooh, Death Wish 2. That's what, Death, Death Wish 3 was good, too. But all right, I'm going to go revisit 2. You know why? If you can walk around in Zanzibelts and kill everybody that you come in contact with, that's a good movie. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Zanzibelts, I really miss those pants. Uh, David, Bristol, Wisconsin. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Uh, I got three for you. All right, uh, recently saw uh, Wrath of Man with yeah. Jason Statham. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, lots of action. Yeah. Um, on an older note, you were mentioning Kevin Costner earlier. Uh, have you checked out Mr. Brooks? Is that where he's the killer with the glasses? Yeah, he's like yes. a CEO of a box. Very good movie. Uh, yes. Surprisingly show. good. Yes. Yeah. All right. On a documentary one? note, uh, recently saw the one about uh, Trump, and I liked it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Perhaps something to kill an hour with. What is it? Do you remember the title? Uh, Netflix documentary. All right. I'm going to watch it. Very good. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. Lee in Hammond, Indiana. Hey, Sean. Uh, no question. To me, my whole life, I'm, I'm just, just turned 70. Best movie, American movie ever made, Treasure of Sierra Madre. That that movie depicts the best depiction of human nature, human desires that I've ever seen. It's crystallized in that movie. And as far as documentaries, Harlan County, USA, documentary made in 1975 about the coal field strikes down in Harlan County, Kentucky, and about how people that are politically and, and financially weak are victimized uh, continually by people that, that could load po power over them. And that should be a message to everybody that you do not give up power to any any unseen, any 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 uh, uh, people that uh, could hold sway over you. Yeah. You better make sure you know what you're doing when you give these people power. That, that's a great movie. Lee, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you, by the way. I'm going to watch both sure. of those. I haven't seen that other movie, the older movie he's talking about, 30 years, but I remember it being fantastic. I'm going to go rewatch that. Gary in Rolling Meadows. Yeah, hi, Sean. Hi, Gary. I'm a big fan. I've uh, been listening to you since you were driving Dan Prop crazy way back when. You mean correcting that Pee Wee Herman lookalike, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as movies, it's not really a movie, but it's a, it's a series on Netflix called uh, Queen's Gambit. Oh, wait, is this, is, this, is this about the chess, the true story? about yes. the, the? So I watched about, that not knowing what it was, Gary. My wife picked it. I watched it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, 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 I turned off everything for two hours. It was absolutely fantastic. And how about it at the end when she went back for the old man? Crying like a baby. We thought, we thought the same thing because uh, I just, yeah. it was funny because I was just talking to a friend and all we did was mention the, the, the game of chess and she's like, have you seen the Queen's Gambit? Yet? It's the fantastic, Queen's Gary. I'm glad you mentioned oh, it. It, oh. is, it is great. And I, I talked to other people about it and everybody that I told to watch it loves it. It's, and, it's But great. as far as, uh, as far as the uh, documentary, uh -huh. I recently watched 
it was on the History Channel, and it was on it was uh, an hour special on uh, the Spitfire and how the Spitfire helped win the World War. All right. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it was no. But I know the story about the Spitfire, so I'm interested. Gary, thank you. I got 90 seconds. We got two other callers. Gary, thank you for calling. All right, let's go with Amanda Wadsworth. Hang on there, Eduardo. We're going to get to you too. Go ahead, Amanda. Hey, Sean. First, I want to say I love you, and my husband and I went up to Lake Geneva and we saw you. You were awesome. Oh, thank you. So I listened for a movie that's kind of a little bit off the rails here, but I loved it. It's fun. It's called Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston. It's like a Cinderella story for guys. Guys, really? uh, uh, yes, it's uh, it's it's so fun. Mark Wahlberg worships this band called Red Dragon, huh? and by a series of, of things that happen, he ends up End up, ends up being the lead singer in this band. And it's just, it's fun. Amanda, it's I got to tell you, I, I like Mark Wahlberg. I'm a big fan. I like him very much. So I'm going to watch it. Thank you, Amanda, so much. We got Eduardo in Midway. Last one. How are you, Eduardo? Yes. Uh, longest day and bridge too far. Breathtaking parachute drops. Longest day. is, is, is now, now, forgive me if I get this wrong. I'm going out on a limb. I don't remember it. John Wayne? No. Yeah, John Wayne, everybody was in there. Richard Burton, yeah, John yeah, Connery. Yeah. Fantastic Same thing with Bruce Dufar, all-star cast. Fantastic movie. And then why don't you go with the trifecta for the bridge on the River Kwai? There they go, yep. How's that for the trifecta? See, Eduardo, I knew we'd end it good. Thank you, Eduardo, for the call. I truly appreciate it. Everyone have a good weekend. Stay away from these Democrats. They're going to make you angry. They're going to upset a beautiful day. Stay away from them. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday. Goodbye and good riddance. Believe in shooting stars, but she believe in shoes.